You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, Episode 6. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapists Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Rambach, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. In this episode, I'm chatting with Laura Teisman. Laura is a graduate from the University of Alabama and began working in 2012 at Key Changes Therapy Services in Columbia, South Carolina, where she serves a variety of populations, including children with autism and developmental delays, dementia and Alzheimer's patients, individuals recovering from stroke, just to name a few. Laura is married and has a three-year-old son that loves to keep her on her toes. On the journey through balancing music therapy and motherhood, Laura is learning very quickly that every day is an adventure, but is loving every minute of it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Laura. No worries. I'm excited. Good. Me too. So before we jump in and get to the nitty gritty stuff, can you give us a little background about your career as a music therapist? I've been working as a music therapist for about five years now. Um, I have experience working with early intervention, um, school district, children and adolescents. Um, And currently now I work with um, a private practice with all different populations, including Alzheimer's dementia, stroke um, rehab patients, um, children with developmental delays, autism, Down syndrome, and we even work with um, on the psych area. And yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing now. It's just a different array. We even service individuals um, with eating disorders, um, and we actually just started a hospice contract. So we're really excited that we're doing that now. Wow. So you are working with all of those different populations? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really fun because, um, one of my favorite populations that I'm working with now are children on the spectrum that are higher functioning that have like anxiety disorder. Um, sometimes they have self-harmful behaviors, um, but they're again, really high functioning. So, um, before working in South Carolina, I'd never had experience with the higher functioning kids on the spectrum. So right now that's kind of my, my niche where I love working and with those individuals. And it just gives me um, a chance to expand my toolbox and really just, you know, use my brain and come up with creative different things to do to help these kids. And I can imagine that Every day is so different because you're you're in all of these settings and and having to use your brain differently to work with all these different populations. Absolutely, every day is a different day. I never know what I'm going into. Um, and some days I come out I'm like, yeah, that was a rocking session. Um, and sometimes I even have my kids that come in and they just they bring their own stuff. I'm like, okay, we're not going to do what I had planned. Let's just do what you brought in because that's really cool what you're sharing with me. Nice. Yeah, that's definitely the key to being a music therapist is just to be flexible and never set in whatever you have planned. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, so how did you decide um, after working as a music therapist for a while that it was time for you to start a family? It's kind of a funny story. Um, We didn't decide. It was hey, if it happens, it happens, and it happens. Okay, okay. (laughs) So it was... I think that might be different about our situation is that we didn't plan for it. 
Um, but you know, it happened when it was supposed to, and I wouldn't change anything for, for a moment. I'm really happy with how it happened and when it happened. So it took you off guard a little bit. Oh yes. Oh my gosh. I remember, um, taking a pregnancy test and my husband actually read the test before me and he fainted on the floor. No. (laughs) Yes, he totally did. (laughs) I was like, what does it say? What does it say? And I look at him like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm pregnant. Wow. Okay. All right. So were you having symptoms that led you to think that maybe you were pregnant? It's actually really funny. I was on my way to work um, at a school and I was like, oh, I'm feeling sick. And all of a sudden I throw up all over myself in the car. Gosh. And I'm like, that was really weird. I feel so much better. I guess I better go home mm-hmm. and change. And then I started thinking, I was like, wait, something's not right. That That's that's never happened before. And I called my husband at work. I was like, um, I think we might need to get a pregnancy test. <laughs> and so he's like, cause he, he was actually asking me questions. Like he sensed that there was a chance that I could be pregnant at the time. And I was like, no, no, it's not. No, I'm not pregnant. And I actually was. So, but, um, we were really excited when we found out. Oh, that is awesome. And that's definitely the first time I've ever heard of somebody actually fainting when they find out they're pregnant or that their wife is pregnant. He was super excited, though. He was he was really excited. Good. So did you continue working throughout your pregnancy? I did. I actually worked all the way up until the day that I delivered. Um, it was funny because I actually had clients calling me while I was in the hospital like, hey, are you coming today? I called my my supervisor to let her know that, hey, uh, he's coming, so uh, you might want to call my people. And so um, she uh, had to, you know, this was later in the morning. I was already supposed to be at work, and I guess she just hadn't called because my water actually broke at 4.30 in the morning. So we were in the hospital at like 4.30 in the morning. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So can't exactly call clients, you know, right? And that's not exactly at the forefront of your mind when you're in early labor. (laughs) No, no, not exactly. (laughs) So were you, were you at around 40 weeks at that point? He actually came three weeks early. He was three weeks early to the day. Um, but I was just, I was really big. Like I remember, the my doctor actually told me I don't know how much longer you're gonna last because like there's mm-hmm. no room for him to even grow. Okay. <laughs> uh, because I'm actually pretty petite. Um. So yeah, it was it was not expected. Uh, I had been having um, Braxton Hicks, um, the you know the premature labor pains, but I was just like, oh, you know, it's just he's just getting uncomfortable. But yeah, so we, we weren't really expecting him to come when he did. Okay. So while you were working and pregnant and you said that you were a little bit bigger than, than maybe you thought you would be, what were some of the challenges that came along with that in your work? Well, for me, I actually had a really hard pregnancy. Um, I had sciatica. So um, I had a lot of pain um, in my legs, like my, my legs would actually collapse underneath me from the pain from sciatica. I had to go to physical therapy um, to help with the, sciata- the sciatica until he grew big enough to get off the sciatic nerve. Um, and then he never actually dropped. So for me, what was really hard was actually being able to sing during my job because he, he sat really high, which was actually on my diaphragm. So I'd have shortness of breath, 
And then I lived in Texas at the time, and I got really big right about, you know, August and September when it's, you know, 103, 104 degrees. And so that was really challenging is just, you know, having to be professionally dressed and sweating and being very uncomfortable with the heat. Um, that was really hard. And then carrying all my instruments because I didn't have an office. My car was my office. So traveling from one person to the next, getting in and out um, and carrying the weight of a baby because he, even though he was three weeks early, he was seven pounds, 13 ounces. Oh my goodness. Well then it's a really good thing probably that he came so early. Yes. I was actually very glad he came early because I didn't know how I was going to go through getting any bigger. Um, yeah. I remember at night it was just for me, the hardest thing was being really tired. Um, the heat, the day, um, the sciatica, um, it was just a really tough pregnancy. Um, that, that was probably the biggest challenge is just the complications. Sure. Yeah. So after your son was born, what did maternity leave look like for you? It's really hard to remember um, what maternity leave was like because it was, I got, I, I got very little sleep. Um, he actually didn't sleep through the night until he was eight months old. Um, so for example, we'd go to bed together and then two hours later he'd wake up. I'd nurse for half an hour. It'd take me half an hour to go back to sleep and then he'd be up an hour later. So that was really, really challenging just not having any sleep. Um, but during the day, um, because I had a C-section, um, it was really hard for me to move around. Um, so I tried to stay, you know, sitting on a couch, watching TV, um, and engaging him, you know, it was really quiet. It was really I really loved what it felt like coming home after the hospital because everything was just different. And I'll never forget the feeling of how he also had um, jaundice. So just sitting there watching him in the sun and, you know, a lot of clothes washing. We did a lot of clothes washing. Um, I also um, did a lot of walking as my body healed. So right around a month after I, um, I got out of the hot, uh, after he came home, um, I tried to walk a lot of the baby weight off because I did gain a lot of weight with him during the pregnancy. Um, I also did a lot of crafts and um, sewing. I like to sew. So um, tried to keep myself busy reading. Um, and I remember at one point, as he got older, about six weeks, I pulled out my guitar, and you know it was really cool just to to bring music into into the home that early. Um, so yeah, it's really kind of hard to remember because he's three years old now. Um, but I just remember taking a lot of time to myself to recover because I was in a lot of pain. Good for you. That's I think that's so important, especially at the very beginning. And as a new mom, you know, settling into that brand new role. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, yeah, especially, and you know, it was funny because whenever people said sleep when your baby sleeps, uh -huh. you know, for the first month I was just like, oh, I don't want to sleep. You know, I just, I want time to myself. And now like whenever my son takes a nap, I'm like, yes, score, we get nap time. Yes. Oh, I know. That was the, that was the most annoying piece of advice for me because I couldn't get anything done. Like you, I was, you know, nursing my baby every two hours and I felt like when he was asleep, which was rare because he was not a good napper nor a good sleeper at night. Um, so those rare moments when he was actually sleeping, not in my arms, I was like, okay, 
I need to return emails. I need to <laughs> vacuum my house. I need to, you know, make myself something to eat. So it, that's hard advice to follow. It really is. It really is because you just, you're like, I have so much to do. And, and it's really hard to, t- to step outside of yourself and, and take care of yourself when you see other things that need to be done. Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned getting out your guitar and singing to your baby because that was something that was really, really special to me too. But it was almost like it was really hard emotionally. There was something weird about about <laughs> bringing my passion for music to this brand new baby. Um, and I talked about this with one of my friends who was experiencing the same thing where like we would get really emotional and we would almost you know, cry while we were singing to our babies. Did you experience that at all? I did. I, um, I did, um, only when I would bring out my guitar and like really sing, but for me, um, no, actually I did. It was, I remember even being in the hospital and he was wrapped up in his little Billy blanket, his Billy Rubin blanket. And, um, just like having this overwhelming emotion as I started to sing to him. And for me, you know, I gravitated towards songs that my mother sang to me when I was little. And I remember that. And so that didn't help. <laughs> I know, I'm sure it didn't. My parents live 14 hours from um, away from us when he was born. So they couldn't even come until he was two weeks old. So wow. um, that was actually really hard for us too. It's not having family very close. Um, it was just mainly me and my husband in the hospital um, but yeah, totally, totally um, tear up. And then even on his birthday, when I sing to him, I still tear up. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. It's it's hard to get over that emotional, like, I don't know. I think I think it's the merging of like your two worlds of you're so connected to music and you're so connected to this child that it's it's very overwhelming. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It can be. So how long were you on maternity leave before you went back to work? Only eight weeks. Um, the plan was if I was able to deliver naturally, then I'd only do six weeks um, because being a contractor, I didn't get paid time off. Um, so we had to save up and really work hard for me to be able to take off. So um, because I did have a C-section, um, it was eight weeks that I went back. Um, and I remember the day before going back, I sat in my son's room in the rocking chair and just held him and cried and just like bawled. Um <laughs> Um, because I didn't want to go back. It was so hard. Like I, you know, I was the primary caregiver for two months and I was like, my husband, I mean, even though my husband was really fabulous and helped out and was there, you know, in the night, I was like, he's, he doesn't know how to do this and he doesn't know how to do that. And, you know, I mean, traveling, it's not like I can just come home because I lived in San Antonio and, you know, anywhere you go, it's like a 30, 45 minute drive. So I was, I was freaking out about going back to work. It was really hard. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty common thing across the board, not even just for music therapists, but for any working mom who's re-entering the workforce and leaving this brand new baby in somebody else's arms. Once you did go back to work, did you have to make any changes as far as your schedule went or as far as the kind of work that you did to balance your new role? Yeah, I did. Um, Daycare was one issue. Um, I had to be done at a certain time because I used to work later. You know, I could work all the way up to like 6, 6.30 at night and I found myself having to change clients around and moving them up earlier and setting different boundaries, you know, and actually saying, hey, I can't take anybody else because 
you know, I'm, I'm overwhelmed or because it doesn't fit in my schedule. Um, also, I had to, and this, you know, this has been a constant battle for me is separating home and work. So like before, you know, doing contract work, when I would go home at night, I'd be doing paperwork or looking up resources or learning new songs. And it's different when you have a baby, especially when you're nursing every two hours or as you got older, you know, tending to those different needs and, you know, really trying to foster development with him because that was really important to me. Um, you know, encouraging him to crawl, encouraging him to sit up, encouraging him to walk and to hit all those major milestones when he was supposed to. Um, so for me, you know, like making sure that I got work done when I was during my work hours and keeping home home was a huge change for me to do and making sure that I didn't, excuse me, that I didn't take phone calls when I got home didn't answer emails when I'm right in the middle of dinner because that became more family time as opposed to, you know, me and my husband just hang out and, you know, I'm doing my thing. He's doing his thing, but it was more of a family thing then. Mm -hmm. So did you end up reducing the hours that you were working or just changing them? Just changing them around. Um, and I used to work a lot of weekends, even during the pregnancy, you know, I would work weekends and so cutting weekends out to where it was only one time a month, as opposed to every weekend or every other weekend, even if it was just for a day, um, because that, that time became incredibly precious. Even if my husband didn't have to work, you know, that, that again became family time that I didn't want to give up. It was really important for me to have that. Mm -hmm. What about your, um, how you approached therapy did you find yourself changing or evolving after becoming a mom absolutely oh my gosh um I remember you know parents asked me you know do you have kids and this is when I first got out in the field and I was like no um not yet and you know by having my own kid I've learned a whole lot and like well this works for me at home this might work at work and vice versa well you know what this actually works really well with my clients. Maybe I can try using this to, you know, manage behaviors at home um, as he, you know, got into two and the three, age three. So um, I learned a lot about being a mom and I learned uh, um, a lot about transferring skills from therapy over to my home life, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I almost find that... <laughs> And this could just be in my head, but I almost feel more like legit to my family is like, okay, they know that I'm a mom now and it's almost that they can relate with me better or that they see me as somebody who can relate to their child better because I am a mom. Yeah, I, I noticed a big change in the rapport with my clients and their parents when I, I became a mom. It, it, I, it's almost like you got more accreditation now. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> you joined the club. You Right, it you is. It is such a club. You're exactly right. Yeah, that's that's so funny. that. But I'm glad to hear that you kind of agree with that because I've, I've never really discussed that with another music therapist, but we probably all kind of have that similar feeling. At least those yeah. of us that work with kids and families. So tell us about some of the biggest challenges related to being a working mom. Hmm. Challenges. Um, first, since he is a little bit older now, it's changed 
um, like every six months first. The, the, the biggest challenge at first was the sleepless nights. Um, having to, you know, get up the next day after I've had maybe four or five hours of sleep and then driving 30 minutes each way to see five, six clients and then coming home and doing it all over again. So that was really hard. Um, the next was when he became more mobile and making sure that I was, you know, engaging him the way I wanted him to and actually made my own baby food. Um, I look back, I'm like, wow, I was crazy oh to do gosh. <laughs> um, I was, you know, we were on a tight budget. And so I thought that that would be, you know, helpful. And it was, you know, it really was. And I knew what was going into his food. Um, however, if I were to do it again, I really doubt I would make my own baby food. I'm impressed because I, I did it a few times. And Parker, my son, was a terrible eater as a baby. He was a great nurser, but he had no interest in baby food or solid foods whatsoever. So I thought, you know, maybe if I make his food, he would be more interested. And it was time consuming for me as somebody that doesn't really enjoy necessarily being in the kitchen, you know, getting out the food processor and like getting everything mixed up and then cleaning it all afterwards. And maybe he would take one bite and spit it out. <laughs> so it was at that point that I was kind of like, okay, no. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually did pretty well. He actually ate pretty well. Um, some foods, yes. Some foods, no. And, you know, whittling it down, you know, figuring out which worked and which didn't, then I would just make it in bulk and it would last me, you know, I don't have to do it like once a month. Um, so it, but it was time consuming, you know, and I do it during his naps when <laughs> kicking myself. No, I should have been sleeping myself. Yes. <laughs> then, um, the next thing for me that was incredibly hard was my son had speech delay. Okay. Um, and when so did you start to notice that? Um, probably when he was about a year to a year and a half old, um, he was babbling, he was making sounds, um, but there weren't any emergent words coming out. Like he would, you know, but it wasn't functional. Um, he wasn't picking up words. And so I got him into early intervention through the state government funded program. And they, you know, suggest we take him to an ENT and we found out that he had fluid on his ears um, and I don't know if it was that or a culmination of things. Um, so we wound up having to get tubes put in his ears and he started speech therapy July and then, um, the following August, which was just a few months later, we got the tubes put in and then he did speech therapy from age two all the way up to age three. And, um, it was crazy how fast his language came after that. Um, and what was really hard for me was was, and then I'm going to try not to get emotional because seeing your child be delayed in communication and that has a lot of frustration as a parent and then having the therapist side of yourself, you know, it was really hard for me to separate myself. Like I'd come home and I would want to work on speech with him. And it got to the point where as soon as he saw me pull out my guitar or try to sit down with him and read with him, he would run away because he knew I was going to try to work with him. And that was really hard where I had to step aside and let other people work with my son. And that was really hard because, you know, I'm his mom, I'm supposed to be the one that helps him. And, um, but luckily the, the surgery helped and now <laughs> he talks my ear off. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. 
Um, he sings, oh my gosh, just to hear my son sing, because like, I remember thinking, just calling some of my friends, because a lot of my friends are music educators, and just crying, like, I just want to hear my baby say my name. I just want to hear mama. Um, so that was really, really hard. That was a huge challenge as a, a mom and as a therapist was having all these tools and not being able to help my son. Yeah, I I can imagine how emotional and frustrating that must have been for you. And I think that is a fine line that we walk as therapists, having, you know, these tools in our toolbox, but, you know, having to separate that therapist side of ourselves from just being mom. And, you know, as much as we try to do that, you know, those are both integral parts of ourselves. So it's not, it's not easy. Um, but good for you for kind of realizing that that it had to be done and that, you know, you didn't want to be that person that was forcing your child to to do these, um, you know, exercises and things when you were with him and it was mom time. Right. And it really and again, it really helped with my background working in early intervention when I first started out in my profession and my career, knowing the signs and knowing when we needed to get help and how to go about getting help. So that was a huge help that, you know, from my career that transitioned over into my, my personal life as a mom. Yeah, I, I think um, that having that knowledge can be a blessing for sure, especially in that circumstance, because a lot of people don't know what signs to look for and they don't know where to get help. They don't know that those resources are available to them. Um, but you know, it can also be a curse cause we have a little too much knowledge and we're always on the lookout for those signs. So it's, it's definitely a mixed, a mixed blessing. So any other challenges you want to mention? Yes. The biggest challenge we're having now is three. Oh my gosh. Everyone <laughs> says that terrible twos are like the worst. Yeah, no. Oh no. <laughs> No, no. I was like, I always ask people, oh, it's going to get easier. It's going to get easier. And it does in some aspects, but then other aspects, it's extra challenging. Like right now he, um, it's, it's crazy. It's just so crazy. Like the expectations that schools put on kids now, because, um, we moved, um, closer to my job because I was commuting from Hartsville to Columbia, which is about an hour and 20 minute drive. And he was in daycare in Hartsville. And now he's actually going to a Catholic school. And so they're working on letters, they're working on numbers, and it's crazy the kind of stuff that he's coming home with. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's actually behind. He turned three in October, and he's behind in knowing his letters and his numbers. And so for me, like, I feel like that puts, um, you know, expectations on me to, to, you know, step it up as a mom at home and to really work with him. Um, cause I actually got to go in and sit on his class and they're asking questions that, you know, I'm asking five and six year olds that I work with, like, um, what is the illustrator? What does the illustrator do? Um, at age you know, three, wow. at age three, yeah, at age three. Um, and they're like, what number is, and they're working on sight words. Like, what word is this? And they'll hold up a flashcard and they're supposed to know it. I'm like, oh my gosh, where did I miss the bus on? educating my son on my word, you know? And so I'm really glad that we were able to get him into preschool because I almost fear for what would happen when he goes to kindergarten. Sure. Uh, Cause like, if he's already behind and like, I look at his artwork and I thought he was an amazing, you know, person that colors in the lines and all this stuff. And I look at the other kids, I'm like, Oh my gosh, how is he behind? 
he's, he's only, you know, he's not even three and a half yet. Um, so that's put a lot of a pressure on me that after I'm done with work, I have to come home and again, kind of pick it up again and work with him. Um, but I try to make it fun. You know, I'll print out fun coloring sheets and that has letters and that kind of stuff. And I try to make games out of it and we'll do puzzles and that kind of stuff. Um, but right now that's probably the biggest challenge is, is school. Oh my gosh. That's a little scary to me to hear as a mom of a, an almost two-year-old, you know, I feel like you always hear that children develop at their own rate and, you know, they'll kind of learn everything in time that, that they need to learn it. And you don't think about, you know, those necessarily those specific learning milestones until a little bit further down the line. So to hear that you are stressing about those things at age three, that's, that's a little uh, intimidating. It is. It really is. Um, but I mean, I'm glad that he's getting a really good education. Just wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I really that kind of stuff it. in kindergarten, not when I was three years old. Right. Right. Okay. So we've talked about a lot of the challenges. What about some of the more, some of the more fulfilling aspects of being a working mom? Um, I love the fact that I have the background to expose him to music and, and different cultures and music in those cultures. Um, and also just having tools to help raise him. And like, especially, like I said, you know, having, you know, a background in speech and knowing those signs of when to get him help and when to step in. Um, and also with three, there are those behavioral challenges where, um, we're at the whining stage. And so um, learning how to manage that without losing my mind. <laughs> um, but no, more than anything, I think my favorite thing is when he comes home from school and he's learned a new song and being able to sing that song with him just in, in the commute home or just hearing him constantly sing. That is probably like my music therapy mama moment is every time that I hear him sing. And I'm an avid, I'm an avid um, pinner on Pinterest, and I've, I'll never forget pinning something that says, "You know, you have a happy child when he sings." And so every time I hear him sing, it just it's it's almost reassuring that I'm doing a good job as a mom. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. That just gave me chills hearing you say that. It really did. That's the ultimate fulfilling aspect, especially for. A music therapist, you know, music is our life. Our child is our life. So when those two things come together, there's really nothing better. Yeah. And another fun thing that I, that we try to do, and I need to be better about it, because, like, I associate – this This is a challenge for me, too, is I associate learning new songs with work. So when I get home, a lot of times I don't get out my guitar anymore. Um, but my husband actually plays bass and piano and you know of course I play all the instruments that I do and you know we gravitate towards getting my son music instruments for toys like he has um, one of those first act guitars and a little baby piano and a drum set and that kind of stuff and it's really fun whenever my husband you know really gives me that kick in the, the rear end to hey let's play together and then my son will come and play with us too so that's really fun to have like a family jam out yeah family band that's yeah, amazing. I love it. I love it. So like, and I'm trying not to, as much as I want to sit down and like teach him piano now, like I don't want to push him to where he hates music. So I just enjoy the times where we get to sing together and, and jam out as a family. Nice. Very nice. 
So what are some things that you do for yourself? Um, I really like to knit. Um, it was kind of funny how I got into knitting. Um, a family friend made my son a baby blanket and she knit and it became his, his soothie, his comfort object. And, um, as he got older, he would put the blanket in his teeth and rip it out and rip holes in the blanket. Um, so I had to learn to knit (laughs) because I remember if he didn't have his blanket, like if my husband had to work late, like we would have to leave work to bring the blanket home if it had been in our car, because like, if not, he was inconsolable. Oh my goodness. Um, but I actually just took took it and ran with it, and now I love to knit baby blankets, and I like to knit him hats, and I'll ask him, what color scarf do you want mommy to knit you? And he's like, red, I want a red scarf, um, or whatever his favorite color is of the day, or um, a hat, I want a hat, mama, so um, I love to knit him things. That's really rewarding for me, because I enjoy doing it, um, and I love seeing him just snuggle up to it, like, I feel like that's something I can give him, and that he has of, of, of me too. Um, I also love to take naps. <laughs> like that's probably my biggest like self-care thing is like I'm tired and I'm just going to go take a nap. Um, Cause yeah, I can, I can get kind of crabby <laughs> when I'm tired. Um, also, also making time to do things as a family. Like we got a zoo pass um, to the zoo in our city. So like when the weather is really pretty going out to the zoo and just spending time outside, um, with each other and like just talking about the animals and that kind of stuff. So, you know, making play dates, um, going to the library, our library is really fabulous because they have um, a reading rumpus time. So I can go and do reading time with him there and just like kind of connect with him. And I get stuff out of that too. It's not just for my son, but it's for me too. Good. What advice do you have, Laura, for fellow music therapists who are either thinking about starting a family or are pregnant or have just become new moms? This is, and it's funny because all my colleagues will make fun of me when I say this, but to take care of yourself. Um, It's really funny because one of the ongoing jokes um, where I work is I'll ask, what have you done lately to take care of yourself? And they're like, I don't have time. I'm like, you have to make time. Um, that's the biggest thing is taking care of yourself because, um, being a new mom and then working full time and just really, you know, hitting the grindstone hard every day. Um, I found myself getting close to burnout and almost burning out several times, um, because I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't taking time to myself, um, to, to take care of myself. Um, also be open-minded. Like it's funny cause we joke about, you know, how the number one thing you should do is nap when your baby naps, but seriously, like, you know, moms have been there before. Like, it's funny because I'd ask moms for advice and I'm sitting here thinking, well, that's not going to work for me. And, you know, I should, I'm going to do the, you know, something different. I'll, I'll think about it. And then I remember like anything I tried would fail And so (laughs) when I was really desperate to get him to sleep or to, um, you know, with nursing, any problems I had with nursing, you know, asking other moms and really just taking their advice and trying it because like, what's the harm in trying if you're desperate and everything you've tried 
has worked, uh, has not worked, then um, what's the hurt in trying? You know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely do. And I feel like sometimes moms are hesitant to give advice to new moms just because um, we don't want to overstep our boundaries. But for me, I know that I was a hundred percent like, yes, please give me any advice you have. Please share your knowledge because I don't know what I'm doing and there's no handbook. <laughs> so I, I definitely agree with you. Yeah. I think and it also depends on what kind of mom you are. Cause like, um, I definitely learned the, the farther into motherhood I go, like the more, like I want to ask people, um, about, Hey, what are you doing when this happens? Yes. Um, at first I, I really, you know, it would take me to, to get into my breaking point before asking. Um, and then being open to trying it. Like that was the other thing is not just like, oh, okay, that's nice. Thanks for, for answering my question. And then in the back of my mind, well, I'm not going to try that. Um, but actually really trying what their what advice. Cause like, it's like I said, again, it's worth a try. Um, probably the last piece of advice I'd give to other moms is just to enjoy those mommy moments. Like, we're, you know, we just hit three and I see other kids that are, you know, two weeks old or even six months old. I'm like, it feels like yesterday that, that my son Noah was that small. And now it's crazy how fast he's growing and how he wants to wrestle and play football and all these things. And I'm just like, where's the time gone? So, you know, make time, like I said, you know, even if it's not just for yourself, but, you know, to go to the library or to go to the zoo and to make time to like, I even take my son on dates. He's three years old, but, <laughs> but like, it's, it's fun. Like, I'm just like, we're going to go on a date and we'll go see a movie, just the two of us. Um, so like making time to, to make those memories that you aren't going to get back. Um, because you know, yeah, I could rush him to bed so that I could do some work at night or, you know, I could really take my time and read to him for 30 minutes and have that time together with him that I'm not going to get back. I think that is such wonderful advice, Laura. And it's something that I constantly try to do because I absolutely agree that the time goes by so fast and it's so bittersweet because each moment, you know, you're looking at your child thinking, I'm never going to get this time back. I'm going to be, you know, 60 years old someday with the with a grown child and thinking about this amazing time and you know that's this is you know the time to like soak all that in so great advice do you have any music therapy related projects or news that you'd like to share I do um <clears throat> me and my co-worker Janelle Sikora are actually in the process of launching a new blog site where we're going to, it's actually geared primarily towards giving resources that are um, all original um, for other music therapists. Um, you're actually one of our inspirations for doing this. Oh, um, but, cool. Yes, um, but actually posting um, songs online and session plans because I know sometimes, um, you know, my, my brain just freezes up. I'm like, I need some ideas. And it's really helpful to be online and to see what other therapists are doing in their sessions, especially when, you know, my brain just won't work sometimes. If I'm in a crunch, I'm like, okay, I just need something new. I need something new. Um, so like we're a huge advocate of sharing those resources. Um, so that's one thing that we're really working on. And it's, it, it is live. 
Um, but we haven't had um, the opportunity to really um, hit it hard because we're actually um, in preparation for presenting at our regional conference next month. So um, we're primarily focusing on that and then um, we'll work more on the, the blog site where we will provide you know, session plans and you know, music therapy, what we call music therapy moments where we just kind of share what's happened in our practice and what's going well. Um, as well as our successes. That's fantastic and so exciting. I think that there can never be enough resources out there for music therapists, and we're always looking for fresh inspiration and material to use in our sessions. So good for you. That's that's really exciting. Um, something else we are also working on, and I don't know what we're going to do with it yet, but um, we found that using the drive has been incredibly helpful. Like. Um, you know, everything is going electronic. It's really hard to carry around. I used to carry around an eight pound binder oh, <laughs> yes. full of my music and my interventions. And so now with all the technology that we have, like with an iPad and your phone, you can just go on the drive. Um, we have actually put folders on um, the Google Drive and made a resource um, kind of thing that we can share with each other in our practice. So I'm really excited about that. And we're hoping... Um, I don't know what we're going to do with that yet, but maybe, you know, have that transition over to the blog site where we're able to share more of those resources. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Google Drive and Dropbox both because uh, I am sharing, you know, so much material and um, songs and resources with not only my business partner, but also other music therapists. And so it's great to have those resources and to get rid of that gigantic binder that we all had at one point. (laughs) (laughs) So I have one last question for you. And that is, are there any favorite products or books or resources related to music therapy or motherhood that you can't live without? Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, so in desperation of lack of sleep, um, or need for sleep, that is, um, I worked in the school district, um, when my son was young and I actually talked to a teacher. I was like, I need sleep. Do you have any advice? And she told me about this miraculous book that has become my sleep Bible and it's called healthy sleep habits, happy child by Mark Weisbluth. Um, and it has everything in there from, when you're pregnant to potty training to um, when they're older and have night terrors, like it it has everything that you can think of. Like even if they're sick, um, how to get your child to sleep through the night when they're sick. Um, So that was the, that was the biggest help was, you know, how to sleep train your child. And it had different ways to do it. So you didn't have to necessarily do the cried out because I refused to do that at first. Um, And we wound up having to do that eventually, but it had a great plan to transition so you don't just put your kid in the dark and walk out of the room. Um, so that was a really, really great book that I still even reference today when he's scared and he doesn't want to sleep by himself or to know how much time he should be sleeping uh, because sleep is vital. It really is. It, it can change your entire day. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Good to know. And I will be making a note of that for myself because in a few months, I'm going to be at the point where I'm going to be very sleep deprived with a newborn on my hands. So good to know. It is a wonderful book. You have to get it. And then the other is One, Two, Three Magic by Thomas Phelan. I've heard of this one. Actually, one of my best friends 
This is like her go-to book and she's told me about it. It is. It is wonderful. Actually, um, um, my, my boss, Natalie, um, mentioned it at first. And so I went and got the book and I never really sat down and read it. And I just happened to be looking for behavior books, um, through the library and I actually have a DVD series. So if you don't have time to sit down and read through the book, um, you can actually get the DVDs online, um, or through the library, depending on your library. And me and my husband sat down and watched them and it is miraculous. Oh my gosh. We have changed so many negative behaviors just by doing the, the strategy that this guy teaches. I had family members that were making fun of me like, oh, you're going to do the counting thing. I was like, mm, it's not what you think it is. So be sure that if you do um, one, two, three magic, that you do um, watch the videos or you do read it completely because um, a lot of reasons it doesn't work is because you aren't doing it the way that they're, that they say you should be doing it. Um, so be sure that you read through that and watch the videos. But yeah, other than that, it, it is definitely a great book. Awesome. Great advice. And I will put links to both of those resources in the show notes. And we will, once your blog site is up and running, we will add that as well. Well, Laura, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really, really enjoyed this conversation and I just appreciate you being so open and honest and sharing. Well, thank you for having me. I was really excited to do it and I hope that um, other moms can relate and have a little help from my experience. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to send Laura a message, you can contact her via email, letheisman, that's T-H-E-I-S-M-A-N-N, at gmail.com. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Let me know. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at listenlearnmusic.com slash podcast. And if you feel so inclined, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. Talk to you next week.